Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Good. My heart's full this morning. I don't know. Um, it's just my heart's full. And uh, that song and music. By the way, wasn't it nice to have Raquel back visiting? That was just... Yeah, I know everybody on the team would say this, but let me say it on behalf of all of us. You're welcome to visit once a month if you'd like. Or more. Yep, girl, anytime you want to come and bring it, you bring it. So, very thankful for our whole team. Well, we're on to the next part of things. This started months ago when... I wasn't sure what to do next, and I picked up this ragged old book that was, nobody reads, if it sold 200 copies, I'd be surprised, but it was a book that said, things I want my children to know. Within that was the framework of the principles of, what do I really want people to know? Now, it it all happened because it was just before I was going to turn 70, and I went, not as a, like, this isn't my swan song. You know, I'll let you know when it's my swan song. But I just went, at 70, what do I want to pass on to other people? What do I want them to really hear and get? And of course, it's everything I said before, but it's the clear message of the unconditional love of God for every heart and, uh, and who God is. It's all of that, but there's also principles that I was able to gain through the years and get wrapped in and stuff. And so we first looked at issues of identity and where we get our identity and then how to become a problem solver and a good decision maker. And this is the next step in that. It's, uh, and it's an interesting thing because I've heard some teachings about it but most of them were obligatory teachings on the heart of a believer. And it's about, um, really it's about the listening ear because of things that I see on the earth. One of the things that we don't do well is we don't hear each other well, but that's also because we don't hear God well. And so I, most of the teachings that I've heard put an obligation on people that it was their fault that they weren't hearing God. And though that might have about 10 or 20 percent trueness to it. It's really a misapplication of what the word teaches us and also the art of listening. Listening and communicating. um, Most of us think that communicating is saying something to somebody else but actually communicating is listening first. And that really uh, all of those words are summed up in that. So looking at these life lessons and, and what I want to pass on, I want to pass on some things that I actually really studied a long time and then, and then learned about listening. Uh, listening regarding God, the stillness of his voice. And it sounds like, you know, it's a... It, it's an oxymoron, but the stillness of God is wonderfully loud. Wonderfully loud. And you can hear him in his stillness. In the sounds of the earth, 
and even in the beauty and clamor of humanity. And we make jokes out of it, but there's times, even in the Old Covenant, there's stories of uh, a donkey speaking in known language. Um, called an ass back then, you know. And an ants, ass once spoke to Balaam, and now we have lots of asses speaking all the time. <laughs> if you take my meaning. And you need to hear what I say. God uses even the fragile, funny things, the, and at times even the, the funny th ways that words work and what words mean and how they mean it. Why does God do that? Because he is the word. He identifies himself, isn't it interesting? He identifies himself with the ability to have language and communicate. Matter of fact, creation was spoken, but actually that speaking should be sung into being. One of the most profound things I ever heard was when I was a younger man and I was on my way to teach a youth group on a Wednesday night and I was listening to public radio on the radio coming, coming up from downtown Phoenix and getting out to the suburbs and there was a, uh, like a it was almost like a, we would call it a, a blog today or somebody giving a chat and uh, it was Leonard Bernstein and he was speaking at a university on the East Coast. And he was talking about the power of creative music. And so I started listening intently. And he started quoting. Now, this, of course, is a Jewish man. He starts quoting both Old Testament and New Testament. And he was obviously very, he knew what he was talking about. Very studied, very godly man. And he said that the Hebrew word... Uh, for speak where it says and God said let there be light that word said in the Hebrew is actually the word that means it changed from spoken to singing why they do chanting in their traditions of that so it wasn't God said let there be light it's God said let there be light and it moves into into this just speaking into a song it's so creative. I don't know if you've watched the movie about uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's life, but it's, I think it's called Tolkien. And uh, the power of language and word and how he got affected by hearing his professor talk about how one word regarding a tree changed the understanding of language about trees. Ugh. The old English word, oak, which we translate as oak. And then the various types of oaks there are. Out of all one syllable, oak. I've had a few oaks in my life, have you? Oak. Um, it's so deeply important. 
And it's so, remember, I've been talking to you about how to coach yourself and how to learn wisdom and make wise decisions. You will never make a wise decision if you're not hearing God and you were designed by God to hear God. So that means you can make wise decisions. Your ears can hear. Um, in Look at 1 Corinthians 9. I want to show you something. Because hearing and intimacy is always understood. We, ju we just go, oh, yeah, it, it, it's understood that it's part of it. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What does that have to do with hearing? Everything through one word, fellowship. The word fellowship actually in the original is communion. To commune, to be one with. And it's the same, it's the root word, just like ok was the root word for all oak trees. This word, which gets translated fellowship or intimacy or relationship, comes out of the word to commune with God, to have oneness with Him. To receive and give. To understand. That's why, that's why we call the, the sacrament that we take Holy Communion. Because it was identifying symbolically how we are one with Christ. How we have co-union with Him. The very word co-union with Him actually means communion with Him. I commune with God. In intimacy through language and language that doesn't even have to be spoken but is understood it grabs us in Philippians 2 1 he says therefore if there's any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit relationship friendship communion of the spirit if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like minded not only having your mind wrapped around that that's what I have with God, but having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, we're, we're to have that with others. So you look within the framework of that, and what it's really saying is, love other people in the same manner in which you love God. How do you love God? How do you connect with God? Well, it's through mostly prayer, yeah. That's how I communicate with God. But that's not the only way to communicate with God because most of, the, most of what we've been taught about prayer is to say things to God and ask Him for the stuff you don't have. So it means you talking to God and telling Him stuff. It's actually really wrong, isn't it? When just think through it. Logically, before I tell God something, what should I first do? Listen. The very fact that you're praying indicates that there is some form of listening going on in your heart or you wouldn't want to talk back to Him. Um, 
Why do you say talk back? Because our speaking to God is a response, not an initiation, but most of us treat it as we're initiating something. I'm going to go talk to God now. Really? No, you're going to go respond to God now. (laughs) And even in his love. Now think about what the word says about his love. It is not that we love God, but that God first loved us. In understanding how we hear God, we have to understand that hearing God is a response. It's a choice. It's a, it's a moving in that. And we haven't been taught that well. And so that's why I want to bring this, uh, to look at it. Um, one of the great results of friendship or intimacy with God is the hearing of God's voice. To know that he's truly alive and that it, that in turn gives meaning to our life. Somebody asked me one time, why do you pray? So trying to be very literary and smart, I said, "Uh, to know I'm not alone. And then after I went away, I went, you know what? That was the truth. It came out. I didn't hear what I was saying at first. I was just trying to, you know, within my own ego, just come off really something. And the Lord said, buddy, you're not alone. Prayer is knowing we're not alone. That's how I got saved. You know, I got saved through track ministry and through the track on the floor as I was, just before I got saved and saying, why don't you leave me alone? And realized I was talking at someone and it meant that someone had initiated in my life and was not leaving me alone but was there really gives meaning for us what is strange is actually the Lord's view on this because his view of the hearing him hearing God is not a result of intimacy but rather just the opposite intimacy or love is the result of hearing God I think we had it backwards for a long time. I did for a long time. And many people I know, when they talk to me, I go, yeah, you got that backwards. Um, It's really a a result of a lot of, now think through these words, misunderstanding of God, our relationship to him, and our understanding of who he is and his ways. Remember the ways that we talked about last week. Most of us are convinced that we will not hear God unless we love him. How did that happen? Well, some of us were still uh, misunderstanding and misapplying the great commandment from the old covenant and trying to pull it into the new covenant when it was a great command of an old covenant. Doesn't mean the doesn't mean it wasn't right. It's just we have a new covenant today and let me explain because we actually don't understand that great command and we'll look at it if you're convinced in your heart that you can't hear God guess what's going to happen you wouldn't hear him if he spoke because you've told yourself you're standing on your own belief system by the way that's called a theology 
I've actually had other believers say to me, well, you can hear God, but I don't. And I want to go, no, you won't, because you're not going to listen. You're not positioning yourself in order to hear, uh, because really, uh, really the opposite is quite true. You know, we'll never really love God until we hear him. Isn't that the point of salvation? Isn't that what being saved really is? You finally heard God and believed it? Let me explain what I mean by this covenant. If I asked you to tell me right now, what's the great commandment? What would you say? Don't read it up there. Just tell it to me. Why did you start there? That's not the great commandment. Let's read it real slow. Remember when you don't understand something, read it real slow. Mark 12, Jesus answered them. This is a great commandment from the Old Covenant. The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What's the first great command? But we put it in the realm that obligates us. You shall love the Lord. We've got it backwards. We think you've got to love God in order to hear me. He says, no, you've got to hear me in order to love me. To have any basis of understanding. It's actually, it's called the call to prayer. When, you know, for, for the service in the synagogue. It's the great, it's... It's known not just in Hebrew circles, but outside of that. It's the Shema Israel. And that's how they, they actually sing it and chant it. Calling, it's the same thing we do when I pray to open worship service. It's their call to worship. Hear, O Israel. Because if you hear, then you'll come to him. You, you'll enter into that. You'll, you'll do it. I mean, songs have been written about this. And yet, when asked, what's the great commandment? We will start with, you shall. The difficulties that we have in the command to love being preceded by the command to hear, the difficulty is it doesn't lie in our ability to hear, but rather in knowing how to hear. And that's what I want us to look at for. If you're not taught how to listen, how can you hear? And we're not taught to listen well. Yet that's the first commandment. God, the reason God put it that way is he understood. He was first. Listen to what I have to say and you'll respond. It's the same thing. Remember Job? Isn't he fun? Such a good story. <laughs> yeah, who wants boils all over their body? You know? And get used by Satan to test God and who God is. Through all the things, through all the stories, and, and Job's comforters and telling him what to do and not to do, and Job walks through it with, a, let's face it, a lot of righteousness that I wouldn't have done. But, you know, he loses his family, he loses everything. But the one thing that he does towards the end is he demands an audience with God. 
right? You remember that part? It's right around chapter 47. It's right near the end. And he's granted it. God in his humility grants it. So he comes outside the gates. You've got to get the image of this. And he comes before God and he sees God. Now he's going to tell God what God has and hasn't done in his life over what happened in his life. God's response is to speak. Do you know what he says to him? Who dares darken the doorstep of my counsel? <laughs> That's like Wizard of Oz cubed. <laughs> you know? How'd you like to hear that? We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful. <laughs> But the story is given to us for an example because the real story is what happens next. It says, this is what Job says, now I have seen you and now I have heard you and I put my hand over my mouth. I tell myself, shut up. One glimpse of who God is brings the human being to a <clears throat> shut up. The great shut up of heaven. Let God speak and show himself. But we have a tendency in what we've been taught is tell God what you want him to say to you. And then be mad when he didn't say anything. Come on, just saying. Lots of little phrases that we use. Listen, the first hurdle, the first hurdle to overcome the doubts that we have in our ability to hear God is to understand something. Why don't you get this? You are wired because of being created in the image of God. You are wired to hear God. All creation is. Look at the Psalms. The creation is the response. Let everything on the earth that has breath. Now, do plants breathe? Brenda's convinced they are. That, that plants, Brenda loves plants. I like that about her. I don't know... How? But they exchange oxygen. But I know this, that God commands all of creation to praise him. All of creation. And that the rocks, we use this as the motivator to get us to worship it. The rocks one day will cry out. Man, can you imagine what Mount Everest will say? The thunder of what they will have to say about God. The first hurdle you have to overcome in order to hear God is to tell your heart you, you have the ability to hear him. You can hear God. And right now, some of you are going through, no, I don't. Yes, you do. How, do you, how can you say that? You're sitting here. If you had not heard God, you would not have come to church. If you couldn't hear God, you would not have gotten saved. 
Salvation is initiated by God. You heard his voice to come to him. Now you may have a pattern of telling yourself that you don't, but you have the ability. How do you know that? John 10. The word of God tells me. Look at this. And the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. Oh, God spoke and they didn't believe it. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. How did he speak it to them? He did the works of his Father. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. This word, this sentence is in the imperative. It's a command. My sheep hear my voice. He's not saying if they do the stuff I want them to do, then I'll speak to them and they'll listen to me. He says, my sheep hear me. Are you his sheep? Then his command is, you hear him. You may be in denial of what he's saying, but you hear him. You hear him every time the Holy Spirit bumps your conscience. You hear God. It's just that we don't recognize the ways that he speaks. And we're often not taught how God speaks to our detriment. And so we have tons of believers that go to every ch- to church every Sunday to hear what God is saying to somebody else. When I first started New Day years ago, because I was so, I told you I was burnt out on church and hope and all that other stuff. So years ago when we started this, people would say, what's your vision for the church? And I'd start laughing. I said, I don't have one. And they'd look at me really strangely because they wanted me to tell them what I had heard God to tell them what to do to help me. Because that's what people meant by a vision. God's saying, now you guys come help me plow this field. Because God's telling you to get over here and work this corn. He is? Incredible. Can I be first in line? Can I be a captain of ten? Why, yes, my son. Come plow my field for me. I refuse to be a charlatan, and my name is not Tom Sawyer, and I don't see you as Huck Finn or Becky. And I'm not going to convince you to paint my fence and that it's fun instead of work. I refuse to do that anymore. I would tell people what my values were and that if those were, you had similar values, then we had shared values and we can begin to work out of shared values and the Lord will one day show us what we're to do as we're doing it. Because I have no intention of ever doing it. Listen, in the early days, it looks like it's in the latter days too, in the early days I had people leave because I wouldn't tell them what to do. 
We always blame the leadership, but we want the leadership to tell us what to do and to hear God for us so that we're okay because we sort of, then I can get mad at them and not God. Well, God told you to tell me to do that. I didn't want that responsibility. I had watched 25 years of it not working or 20 years of it and went, I don't think I... I don't think that word means what you think it means. Remember Princess Bride? I don't think you, it's conceivable. I don't think you understand that word. Really don't think you understand that word. Ugh. The first hurdle you have to overcome is the doubt of life that's thrown at you, the enemy's voice that's thrown at you, and the clamor of unconvinced people that come at you that you don't have the ability to hear God. When Jesus said, not some of my sheep, but my sheep hear my voice. Commandment. If I had you actually write out right now 20 times the Lord has spoken to you, if you would start thinking through it, I bet you can identify way more than 20. <sighs> the most novice believer can hear God. We've tied hearing God to giftedness or position. They're the prophets. Are you slamming charismania again? Eh, a little. He can take it. You're used to me by now. I'm not against it. I love hearing God's voice. I hear God's voice all the time. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You bet I am crazy in love with God because he likes me enough to talk to me. And I've learned in simplicity to listen. Do I want to do it better? Oh, yes. But a novice can hear God just as clearly as I can. Somebody who just came into the kingdom today can hear God. Because that's how they got into the kingdom. It's not tied to giftedness because it's, listen, it's supernaturally natural. It's the naturalness of life interwoven with the supernatural of God, the Holy Spirit. God, think of the images that we have. Let all the rivers clap there. Let the trees clap there. It's the natural but it's intertwined with the supernatural. And it says right now, all the earth is groaning. What does groaning sound like? Ugh. Or ugh. For what? The revealing of you and I. Not the revealing of God. He's already revealed in creation. Read Romans 1 and 2. It says all of creation reveals who God is. The groaning that's coming out of them is for you to reveal who you are in God. 
well, something has to happen. We're going to pray and we're going to ask for a move of God to come to reveal us. He did. He came down. He saved you. He's revealed who you are. You don't believe it. And so you don't speak it. Go out and talk to the trees sometime. Tell them who you are. In humility. Wow. Yeah, tell Listen. Brenda's the only one that will really relate to this because she was with me. You go to Castle Welland Park, and there, there are these beech trees. The park is perfect. They've, they've never broken off like we have our trees here do from, from ice storms. They're, they look like something that you would picture as in Tolkien's world. I went up and I hugged them. Yeah, and I, and I didn't change my name to Yule Gibbons. I just went up and I hugged him. Yeah, well, three of you old people understood that. And I couldn't get my arms around him. They were so big and so majestic and so real. And they spoke of the glory of God to me. And I thought of David writing about the cedars of Lebanon. And what he felt about that. And that when he could see Lebanon and saw those tall cedar trees. Now his heart broke into song. If, if there's any time I wanted to mimic the sound of music, it was then. Only it wasn't the hills, it was the trees. And I just wanted to break into song and rejoice. Mountains can do that for you. Don't tie hearing God to somebody who is more gifted than you are to hear God. The problem is not in hearing, but rather we haven't been taught well to listen and to recognize. I want to give you those tools, so we're only getting into the introduction of this. I want to give you, from the Word, the tools to understand how to do that. They're really simple, so that all of us can understand it. They're really, really, really simple. Because they're given of heaven and they come from who he is, the great light. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. It hasn't changed. He is still that today. And now, we have it in the most glorious thing, and that's how we can learn to listen. I just want to give you a foretaste for next week. We are given to, to us in two forms. I have it in the written word, right? You have the written word. You have the words of God that he spoke that are right there in front of you, which we'll look at that really close. And you have the living word. You ever looked in the, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, when it talks about the living word, it's not talking about the written word. It's not talking about itself. A couple places, and it'll say the word scripture. 90% of the time where it says living word, it's talking about Christ in you. Christ is the living word. Hebrews, 
the living word that is sharper than any two-edged sword that can discern pierce between soul and spirit. That's Jesus in you. That's how he often speaks to you. And it's sharp. It's right to the point. You know, remember to use the pointy end. Right to the point. Listen, just this week, without intention of anything, do that wonderful Bible doctrine of just opening it up and letting it pick a spot. In the New Covenant. Just like, just. And then just start reading from there. If you don't understand it, read it again real slow. And read it out loud to yourself, and I'll explain what that does next week. Okay? But just start it this week. Don't read it out of obligation. You've got to read your Bible every day or you're in sore trouble. Don't believe any of that at all. But you get to read your Bible every day. Why wouldn't you? God's inviting you to do it. You have something that for many years believers did not have. Matter of fact, most of Christianity, if you look at the timeline, didn't have it. It wasn't even common to own a family Bible until the 17th century when it was affordable then. Read. We'll get to that next week. Let me pray. Jesus, I love the way you speak to our hearts. Lord, I love the fact that you would allow me to speak and say things about it. I'm stunned by that. Lord, I'm stunned that all of us are able to hear you. There's not one that hears better than another. We're all able to hear your voice. I believe that, and because I believe it, I receive it. We believe it, and because we believe it, we can receive it. And James says that we can receive the implanted word. Plant your word. Plant your word deep in our hearts this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love each other.